0: Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilton, and this is episode 205. Holy moly, do I have a treat for you. Like the biggest treat ever. This week, I decided to share with you all five of the private podcast episodes coming out this week in Making Good Happen. If you didn't know, Making Good Happen is my membership program. This is a paid membership. And every day, Monday through Friday, there is a short and sweet private episode for members to listen to. There's a lot else in the membership, but this is what I want to share with you today. This week, I am sharing all five episodes that are coming out this week in the membership just for fun. So let's get right into it. Here is Monday's episode called Five Questions to Ask Your Ideal Customer. Welcome back the Making Good Happen private podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and I am so excited to have you here. Market research. It's a topic that sounds complex, and truthfully, it really can be complex. I haven't talked too much about my pre-small business career, but I worked as a marketer in the market research industry. I can tell you that businesses spend tons of money on market research, according to a quick Google search over $118 billion annually. And there are tons of different methods and analysis tools for market research, things like quantitative research, qualitative research. You might have heard terms like focus groups, ethnography, surveys. These are some of them. But we are small businesses. Most of us are not at the stage where we would be hiring external experts to do our market research for us. And the truth is, we actually don't really have to. Not to say there's no benefit in these huge budget market research explorations, but there is a lot we can do from home. At its heart, market research is about understanding your ideal customer. This is one of the most important skills any business owner can have, and understanding your ideal customer is not a one-time thing. We don't send a survey one time and then dust off our hands and move on forever, thinking that we now understand our ideal customers and we can move on. The best, most effective business owners are always learning more and more about their ideal customers and using that information to create better offers, more effectively market and sell their offers, and provide the best possible experience to their customers. So suffice it to say that even if it doesn't sound like the most exciting task, market research is something you want to be doing all of the time. Audience surveys are great for this. Customer surveys are also great. One-on-one customer interviews are amazing, But there are also small ways of getting to know your customers, things like looking at your sales and seeing what you can learn about what your customers like the best, looking at your marketing analytics to see what kind of marketing was the most effective, and even asking simple questions here and there that give you a small insight into your audience and where they're at. Truly, anything you can do to learn about your ideal customer will help you. But today, I want to share five questions you can ask your ideal customer casually I'm imagining on social media, Instagram stories are great for this, or in an email. Don't ask these questions all at once. Just sprinkle these and questions like these in when you want a little audience research top up. And a benefit for asking these questions in a format like social media or email, not only can you learn from what you hear, but you can also use their response as a starting point in a conversation. This can help you learn even more about your ideal customer. And also that conversation can build a relationship with your audience, which is always a good thing. So let's get right into these simple, straightforward questions. Number one, you can ask, what are you excited about right now? This is just open-ended enough that you're going to get something interesting. Maybe they're already getting into the festive spirit for the holidays. That would help you to gear your content toward that. Maybe a lot of your audience is watching a certain TV show. You could mention that in your content. Who knows what's going to come through here, but I am guessing something pretty interesting. Question number two that you can ask is, what are you struggling with right now? Some of my best performing content has been the messages that address a pain point that a lot of my audience has. Maybe you'll hear that your ideal customer is stressed about making their money stretch through the next couple of months where they're going to be spending a lot. Maybe they feel overstretched and they need some time for themselves. Use what they share with you here to help provide solutions to these pain points where relevant, whether that's in terms of content you create or even offers you might have. Question you can ask number three, what social media accounts are you loving to follow right now? You can always learn a ton from what, your con- from what content your people are loving. Of course, I'm not suggesting that you copy anyone's content. Definitely not. But maybe there are themes or observations you can make that help you create content that will deliver the same feeling or value for them. Question you can ask number four, what's on your holiday wish list? Or if you don't do this before the December holidays, just remove the word holiday. You can use your responses to this in so many ways. You can create gift guides that include some of those items, being sure to feature also some relevant products of your own. You can mention those items in your content. You can ask yourself what it means that the fact that those items are on those people's wish list says about them right now and what you can learn from that. Finally, question number five, it would be to pose a fill-in-the-blank question for your audience. Something like, when it comes to insert your industry, everything would be easier if blank. So for example, if I was a greeting card business, I might give a prompt that says, when it comes to sending holiday cards, everything would be easier if blank, and then ask your audience to fill in that blank. Or when it comes to gifting jewelry, everything would be easier if blank. Or when it comes to home organization over the holidays, everything would be easier if blank. This is going to help you understand ways to position your products, good bundles or offers you might be able to put together, content to put together, etc. So there you have five things to ask your audience right now. I hope that one or more of these sounds fun or interesting. Just send a quick email to your audience or post it on Instagram stories, and I know you're going to get some fun responses. The transcript from this episode can be found in the member portal in the private podcast. Okay, next up is Tuesday's episode. This one is called One Message to Send. Welcome back to the Making Good Happen private podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and I am so excited to have you here. I am all about the golden rule. Do for others what you would like them to do for you. And this is especially true in business. If there's something that you want in your business, engagement on social media, support, referrals, reviews, et cetera, think about what you want and then go give that to someone else. So often it comes right back to you. Plus, being kind and generous is just a great way to approach people, especially other small business owners, because we all know how great it feels to receive support, kind words, or a recommendation from someone completely unsolicited. I know that when I receive something like this, nine times out of 10, it makes me want to reciprocate in some ways. But even if I don't, supporting small business owners is just a great thing to do. So in the spirit of the golden rule, in the spirit of kindness, in the spirit of good small business karma... Here is a very simple to do for you. Simply send a message, an email or a DM or whatever to a fellow small business owner, asking them how you can support them. Here is a super simple script you can send. Hey, name. I've been loving and then insert a compliment about something in their business or content, etc. So I wanted to ask, what can I do right now to help support your business? I can't wait to hear from you and keep it up then sign it with your name. So here's an example of how I might do this. Hey, Matt, I have been loving all your emails lately, especially the one with the sick beat Halloween costume. Oh my gosh. It has been so fun to see all the momentum in your business lately. So I wanted to ask, what can I do right now to support your business? Can't wait to hear from you, Lauren. It will take you two minutes to write this message. I guarantee it will make someone's day. I'm sure that they'll have a very simple request. Like, could you just share this post with your audience? Or do you know anyone who dot, dot, dot? And most of the time, they're going to ask you right back, how can I support your business? This is a win, win, win all around. I can't wait to hear how it goes. The transcript from this episode can be found in the member portal in the private podcast section. Thank you for listening to Making Good Happen. Alrighty, next episode is Wednesday's episode. This one is called Reminders I Need. Welcome back to the Making Good Happen private podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and I am so excited to have you here. Small business can be a slog. There's no doubt about it. I've never had a job with a more endless feeling to-do list and more emotional ups and downs. For me, it's still totally worth it, but I have my good days and my less good days just like anyone else. So I know that so many of you members of Making Good Happen struggle with some of the same things that I do. So today I thought I would share some of the reminders that I find myself needing to remind myself over and over again. Reminder number one, almost anything can be made fun. The fact is, even after hiring people, there are probably always going to be tasks that we don't feel like doing in our businesses, but we need to do. So two things to say here. First, we can do things even when we don't feel like it. Like we can sit with the resistance of not wanting to do it and we can do it anyway. That's totally possible. And in fact, I'm doing that as I prepare my thoughts for this episode. I have a lot to get done, even though I'm mentally very ready for the weekend, but I'm doing it anyway. The other thing is that, as I mentioned, almost anything can be made fun. I like to give myself little breaks between chunks of work. Right now I'm working in five minute increments and then taking a short break. That is not efficient, I know, but it's a lot more efficient than just not working at all. So I'm taking it that way. I will also often put all of my tasks down on paper and then race myself to see how fast I can get things done. Sometimes when I'm going through my inbox, I'll write down a number for every single email in the inbox, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, et cetera, And then I'll cross each email out as I go through them, or I'll see how many emails I can get through in 20 minutes, etc. Basically anything can be a game if you let it. Another way of making things fun is to work alongside someone else. Set up a co-working session in person at a coffee shop or online on Zoom to work with other people. Instant fun. Reminder number two is to remember that you're doing your best. Sometimes things get tough when we get down on ourselves. I do this a lot. I'll wish I'd been able to get more done. I'll wish I had approached something differently. I'll wish I had handled a situation in some other way. I think this happens way more as an entrepreneur than as an employee because we're pretty much making things up as we go. We're just trying to figure things out. We're not necessarily following instructions from other people, which in many ways is easier. So I often have to remind myself, I am doing the best I can in every moment and that's all I can do. Anything I did in the past that I look back on with a regret or some kind of twinge of discomfort, I just tell myself I did the best I can. And when I feel stuck in analysis paralysis because I want to make the quote-unquote right decision, I remind myself to just make the best decision I can in the moment and then move on. As long as I'm making decisions with intention and with my values at heart and taking action, I'm doing the best I can. Reminder number three, if you're procrastinating on something, get someone else involved. I am a chronic procrastinator. I know many of you are too. That's something that a lot of people in my world have in common. So here's the biggest thing I remind myself when it comes to procrastination. If I'm procrastinating on something that I know I really, really, really want to be doing, there's one thing that helps me cut through the procrastination. Talk to someone else about it. Ask for someone else's help. Your partner, a small business friend, even an employee, whoever, it doesn't really matter. Ask someone to help hold you accountable. Ask them to work alongside you. Set a deadline. And if you need to, put some skin in the game. Like create a written contract that says, I'll pay you $100 if I don't do this by X date. Getting other people involved in your tasks is one of the most critical shortcuts for beating procrastination. Finally, reminder number four, it's not a race. I can turn literally anything into a competition. I often feel like I should be going faster, seeing results quicker, achieving things that I see other people achieving faster. My first instinct is to remind myself that we're all running our own race. But actually, I think the more helpful reminder is that it's not a race at all, because a race has a finish line that you cross when you're done. But the point of business is not to cross the finish line. It's to keep going and to keep going at a pace that enables us to continue and not burn out after sprinting across some kind of imaginary finish line. So let me remind you, you're not too old. It's not too late. You're not behind. There's no one else in first place because it's simply not a race. These are a few of the things that I find myself having to remind myself over and over again. I hope something in here was helpful for you to hear as well. The transcript from this episode can be found in the member portal in the private podcast section. Thank you for listening to making good. Okay, so let's move on to Thursday's episode. This one is called, how do you want to feel? Welcome back to the making good happen private podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and I'm so excited to have you here. When I think of how I want to celebrate the December holidays, here's what I usually envision. The fire on, cozy time, relaxing with family, maybe going on a relaxing vacation, nice slow-paced dinners, good conversations, refocusing on goals and what I want out of life. It's a lot of relaxing and quality time and slowing down to celebrate life. And yet, despite this vision that I have... For most of my adult life, December has been basically the opposite of that. It has been a whirlwind. It has involved spending tons of money, drinking more than I want to, not eating well or getting in any movement, travel, lack of sleep, rushing from one thing to the next. And so a few years ago, when Kate and I were doing some budgeting, we realized that every January, we end up having spent way too much money. We're tired, we're exhausted, and we're expected to just jump right into the new year with energy and enthusiasm. We thought, we don't like how we feel in January, usually. We feel like we've not been taking great care of ourselves. We feel exhausted from all of the to-dos we were jumping through. We feel out of money. We feel tired and sometimes even a bit down after having a hectic month. So we asked ourselves, we know how we don't want to feel, but how do we want to feel in January? And for both of us, we had the same answer. Relaxed, re-energized, reset. It's at that point that we started dreaming about taking a relaxing vacation to kick off January. A vacation that we would plan for, save up for, and do in place of buying big gifts for each other. So instead of starting the new year exhausted and feeling the opposite of our best, we would start the new year getting some sunshine, slowing down to spend time together, and relaxing. Well, this year we have finally set ourselves up to do just that. We're starting the first week of January with a trip to Tucson, Arizona. With the kids, granted, so the relaxation level won't be quite what it used to be, but we've intentionally chosen to go somewhere relatively close by, that's a short flight from Seattle, somewhere that we've been before, so the pressure of exploring is lower, so that we can just hang out, enjoy some sunshine, and enjoy ourselves. What does this have to do with small business, you might be wondering? Well, I wanted to talk about the power of this question that Kate and I asked ourselves when it comes to planning, and that is this. How do you want to feel? When it comes to the end of the year, how do you want to feel? When it comes to the start of 2024, how do you want to feel? And then looking at your plans or how you've spent the end of the year in the past, ask yourself, are you setting yourself up to feel that way? It's so, so basic, but it can be a revelation to realize that how you want to feel is quite at odds with what you've planned for yourself. And so when it comes to planning for the end of 2023 and for the start of 2024, Or to reviewing the plans that you already have, if you've planned already, this is something that I want to encourage you to do. To ask yourself first how you want to feel, and then make sure that you're planning the space, time, activities, etc. that set you up to actually feel that way. Of course, this approach to planning that takes into consideration how you want to feel, this isn't only good for the end of the year. It's a great approach for all year long. But I think that the end of one year slash the start of the next is a time when we can get especially far from what we want if we're not careful. So I would encourage you to go through this exercise a bit today. I hope this helped. The transcript from this episode can be found in the member portal in the private podcast section. All right, we are almost through. Here is the last episode of this week on the private podcast. This one is called five content afterburners. Back to the Making Good Happen private podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and I am so excited to have you here. So, I have a two and a half year old kid now, and one of the funny things about having a kid that talks now is that our family has developed something of a language of our own. There are many things that are said in our household that would make very little sense to people outside our little crew. For example, Feet covers. This means Casey wants a blanket over him. This came from the idea that he wants his feet under the covers. Big one Kippy or Tiny One Kippy. So Kippy is actually Blippy, an educational TV character. There's Blippy Adventures with the actual human Blippy, and that's Big One Kippy. Or there's Blippy Wonders, where Blippy is a tiny cartoon that learns stuff, and that one we call Tiny One Kippy. And then there's another thing. There's the term afterburners. When Kate wants Casey to speed up, she'll say, put on your afterburners, and he'll start zooming through whatever he was doing. Usually this means running somewhere instead of walking. It's like the toddler version of turbo mode. So thinking about afterburners, I got to thinking, what are afterburners for marketing? What can we do to put turbo mode on our marketing and get even more results? Today, I've got five simple methods for putting the afterburners on your content. Here they are. So number one is to repurpose something. Same content, different format. When you're putting the effort into creating one piece of great content, why not get the benefit twice? Pretty much anything you create can be put into multiple formats, an Instagram post and an email, an email and a TikTok, a TikTok and a LinkedIn post. You'll get a lot more upside from your content if you give it a chance to be seen by more people in multiple places. Idea number two is to respond to a pain point. Content that directly responds to a pain point your ideal customer has is inherently supercharged, especially if that content provides some kind of solution in and of itself without buying your product or service. As an example, let's say a pain point you have is that your ideal customer wants to host a party for the holidays, but feels super overwhelmed by it. You could create a piece of content that is a simple beginner's guide to entertain for the holidays. Pain point addressed. Idea number three is to make it intentionally shareable. One of my favorite ways to add some extra juice to my content is to design it to be intentionally shareable. I think about my ideal customer and who they are. And then I ask myself, what would they want to share with their followers? What would they tag someone in? infographics, educational content, memes, and anything funny tends to do this well. And of course, it doesn't hurt to explicitly give a call to action that says, share this to your stories or tag a friend you think would agree. Idea number four is to do some heavy engagement before and after you post. This is not a strategy that I personally use a lot, but a lot of social media experts swear by spending 15 minutes or so engaging on the platform they're sharing content to before and then after the post goes live. Engaging means reacting to, commenting, responding to comments, liking things, etc. So if I was gonna post an Instagram reel, I would spend 15 minutes before I hit publish, engaging, and then 15 minutes after. Idea number five is to link to your content elsewhere. This is an underrated strategy for getting more results out of a single piece of content. Simply mentioning that content on another platform, it can mean linking to an Instagram post in an email, linking to a podcast from your Instagram stories, sharing a video that you shared on social media on a different platform in an email, etc. Cross-mentioning and linking one piece of content somewhere else is an effective way to get more eyes on that content and an effective way of growing your, growing your audience on that platform. For example, if I'm an email subscriber and then I click a link over to your Instagram, like what I see, I'm pretty likely to decide to follow if I'm not following already. So there you have it. Five ways to put the afterburners on your content. Okay. So there you have it. Five days of short and sweet episodes on the private podcast. What did you think? I hope that you enjoyed these episodes. I would love to hear from you. Connect with me over on Instagram at Lauren Tilden. Now, if you want access to all of these, join Making Good Happen. You'll have one waiting in your podcast player every single weekday morning, along with everything else in this amazing program. Learn more about joining at makinggoodhappen.co. That's .co, not .com. You can find the show notes from this episode at makinggoodpodcast.com 205. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful for your support. Here are three ways that you can get back to making good. First, I'd be honored for you to leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to subscribe and follow. Second, if you have a friend that you think would enjoy the podcast, send them the link. Today's episode is at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 205. And finally, take a screenshot of your podcast player while you're listening to the episode and tag me on social media at Lauren Tilden. I would love to cheer you on. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.